Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women on life after 50 or unafraid to age out loud. I'm your host, Katie Fogarty. Today we have a very special episode of A Certain Age. It's our one year anniversary. And since we are all about aging out loud, you know we could not resist the chance to give this birthday a big noisy shout out. I also want to thank you for showing up every Monday. When I dropped my very first episode of A Certain Age last August, I figured I'd have a handful of girlfriends and my mom listening each week. But beauties, you have blown my mind. You are tuning in from 73 countries, from the Czech Republic to Turks and Caicos, from Finland to Uganda. And what's more, you're listening in across 2,600 cities, ranging from Anchorage, Alaska to Zurich, Switzerland. And I am here for it. Thank you for helping the show grow. So for today's birthday episode, we're gonna do a little switcheroo from our usual format. For a change, I will be the one answering the questions, not asking them. I will be answering questions submitted by listeners, by you all, and questions from the co-host of today's show. My good friend, Dr. Anita Sadati is joining me today. Anita was the first ever guest on A Certain Age. She came on to talk about menopause and toxic rage, mine, not hers, and she came on again in season two to talk all things vaginas and care for down there. She is a veritable encyclopedia on women's hormonal health, wellness, integrative medicine, and sex. But best of all, she's an incredible friend and so much fun. Welcome back, Anita. Oh my God, thank you, Katie. This is so exciting. My God, I got chills listening to that. I mean, really. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been such a such a blast. I love um you know logging onto my podcast uh, hosting platform every week and seeing where people are tuning in from because it it truly it truly blows my mind and I love that I get to spend my Mondays talking to amazing women and and uh you know seeing listeners from across the globe kind of tuning in and, and paying attention and being part of the conversation makes me feel so good. Well, it's quite an accomplishment to celebrate today, so I'm excited to share that with you. Yay! I'm so glad you're back. You were my first, my very first guest, and you're one of the only guests that actually appears live in studio. Most of my guests come in from audio only Zoom or audio only Skype, and it's only you know local local guests that get to be here live. So I'm, I'm thrilled you're with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I, I'm excited to dive in. All right, I'm handing it over to you. You are <laughs> you are officially running the show. Go for it. I love this. Now you're on the hot seat. <laughs> so obviously, I, you know, the first question that came to mind, I had a lot, you know, thinking about this, uh, this dialogue today. But I wanted to know, what was your inspiration for starting the podcast? And, you know, was it always, you know, the target audience that you have right now that you were hoping to reach? Were there several options for podcasts? Like, what were you thinking when you did this? Yeah, no, totally. That's a, such a great question. Um, I had been kicking around the idea of doing a podcast for a couple of years, like truthfully two to three years before I launched the show. And and it literally got to the point where I was like, this is a gigantic cliche. You know, everybody has a podcast. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? Right. There are a gazillion podcasts. And I really, I kind of tabled the idea. And um, then I started getting busy with other projects. I, I have a day job. I work um, helping executives and, and business owners and companies create strong LinkedIn profiles, work you know, on their professional branding. And I had taken on kind of right like pre-pandemic, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had taken on a secondary role. Uh, my husband, Mike, had launched a business with two friends. They launched a business called Brightly. 
which is a direct-to-consumer membership platform for um, people age 50 plus. So it's meant to, it's still sort of in beta, but it's meant to be a fresh take on the AARP. And because my day job was giving career advice, Mike and his partners asked me if I would create career content for them. And uh, as they were looking to create content to populate the, the website that they were launching in a few months. So I did. So every week I would write an article called Career Craft and I would talk to five different experts to get their opinions on the, the common theme of the week. So it might be like age-proofing your resume or how to pivot to a second career. It might be you know, um, avoiding ageism in the job hunt, et cetera. And, and so every week I would talk to five different experts. And one week I was writing an article on moving into a second act creative career. So I was talking, you know, I was looking to source creatives. And I reached out to two women I knew to ask for, you know, quotes for the article. One was a really good friend from high school who is a a chef. She has run a number of New York City restaurants. And she had recently gotten a Michelin, Michelin bib designation. So we all know Michelin stars. A Michelin bib is for smaller uh, restaurants at a lower price point. But it's like still incredibly prestigious. And the second woman I reached out to was a friend from college who had published, she publishes uh, YA books, young adult novels. And at the time, she had two books on the New York Times bestseller list. So when I reached out to these two women and said, I'd love a quote on, you know, like a creative career post 50, they both said, you know, I love what you're doing, but no one can know I'm 50. You know, like absolutely (laughs) no way can anyone know I'm 50. And I was like, wait a minute. I mean, you have you know, not one, but two books on the New York Times bestseller list. You know, and my friend had this incredibly prestigious um, culinary award. I mean, by any measure, these women are rock stars. Yet they didn't want people to know they were over 50 because they both felt that the, you know, the literary world, the young adult novel world and the and the, the uh, culinary world are so ageist. And it really, like, like made me think, this is crazy. You know, we really can and should be able to age out loud. And that was my light bulb moment. I'm like, this is what I want to talk about. You know, because my my day job working with executives who are job hunting also, you know, has showed me over the years that people are really concerned about ageism. They often want to job older jobs off their resume. They they want to lose the dates of their college graduation. You know, they were no one wants to let people know how old they were. And I was like, this narrative needs to change. You know, it's absolutely crazy. So we should be able to age out loud. And and the funny thing, that was actually one of the, um, er, you know, early contenders for the name of the podcast. I was going to call it Age Out Loud instead of a certain age. And I spoke to uh, a woman that I had recently met who is a podcast expert. She launched a number of podcasts for Forbes magazine. And she said, I totally think you should be having this conversation. I love the idea of the show. Don't call it Age Out Loud. (laughs) Mm, It's so funny because one of the questions I have for you is, did you have an alternate name? Yeah, I did. And you know what? (laughs) Sometimes I feel like pangs of regret because I really do like Age Out Loud. And I use it as a hashtag. And it's something that I talk about a lot. But it's it's not, you know, ultimately, I landed on a certain age because I felt it was a bit broader. It allowed people... um, to kind of uh, come into it at, at any age. It was a bit tongue-in-cheek. It's not meant to be coy about our age because I, I think we should be saying it. You know, I'm 51, I'm about to be 52, and I think we should all be aging out loud. Uh, but it's meant to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek and, um, 
you know, sort of turn that notion, you know, the, the, the idea of being coy about our age just sort of feels to me like a dated notion. I think that, um, you know, we've got the oldest president we've ever had uh, right now. You know, Nancy Pelosi is, a you know, by any means at the peak of her political career. She's in her 80s. We have oh, yeah. uh, all these hot actresses that are in their 50s gracing covers. You know, we, we, we I think that the, the, the needle is beginning to move a little bit. People recognize that when you hit a certain age, there's no expiration date. Like Paulina Porzakova, who I love, who I follow on Instagram, actually has her own hashtag, which is sexy, has no expiration date. So I really feel like this notion that aging makes you, makes you irrelevant is beginning to change. And, you know, I want to play a part in that. Oh, well, I absolutely think you are. I mean, a certain age podcast strikes such a chord in so many women. And I think that the the focus on... on um, not reducing your you, you who you are and your accomplishments and what you can do to age is amazing. So I love that. I applaud that. I had no idea that was your, your origin story. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, coming back to, I, you know, so the idea was born. Yes. And now you have to now launch this this podcast. I mean, what was the process about? You know, I'm so impressed by the guests that you've chosen, the caliber of the speakers, the subject matter you select. I mean, there's so much involved here. Um, how did you develop your process and what goes into it? Uh, I love this. Thank you. I, I am the, the beating heart of the show is the guest. I have been so lucky to have the most amazing women come on every Monday. I mean, every week I'm blown away. But the, the original uh, way I, I sort of got this up and running was to throw my hat over the wall. And you might recognize that expression. Our mutual friend, Lisa McCarthy, who came on the show to talk about um, how to throw your hat over the wall, you know, set big audacious goals for yourself. She opened, I think, season two or three in January. And she sort of taught me this mantra, like you have to get in action to to make progress. And you can be very busy waiting for things to be perfect before you get started, which is, you know, a gigantic mistake. And so what I did was say, like, let me just commit to doing this. I told anyone who would be like near me, like at a six foot radius, because at this point, we were still social distancing. I'm like, I'm launching a podcast. So then I would be, you know, I was making myself publicly accountable. I told my friends, I told my family. And then uh, I, I threw a little money at the, at the situation. So I, I committed to recording the show. I think I recorded four or five with Dave in his studio and paid for them before I launched it. And, you know, once you've invested time, money, money and energy into something, then you like keep going. And I got very good advice, which was don't create a new show each week, you know, get four or five in your pocket before you actually launch it because you'll be so busy creating the social media content and putting the platform, you know, the the um, the podcast out on your various platforms that it's hard to get back into the studio to record it. So I I, I launched with a, a small um, arsenal, guess, arsenal yeah. <laughs> and then just kept rolling. And I got another really piece of good advice, um, which was commit to doing one season, make it 12 shows, just you know, don't ask any questions, keep going. And then at the end of that season, you're going to say, thank you very much for tuning into season one. I'll be back with season two. And if you hate doing this, just never come back. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine, I can do anything for, you know, 12 episodes. And by the time I got to, I think probably like five or six, I was like, I love this and I'm never stopping. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Well, you're so I, you're so natural at this. It's I was so blown away on our very first podcast. You just it was as if you were doing this for years, like Oprah Jr. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm, unbelievable. Like it, it's 
Well, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised given who you are. But like in terms of the details, like let's say what for you makes an interview easy or natural or one that's like a little more challenging or difficult? And is it is it the guest? Is it the topic? I mean, you make everything look so easy, but is it's an amazing skill. And then there's an art to this. So can you give us a, sure. a little peek behind the curtain there? I, I typically do a pre a quick pre-interview with guests. So we don't I try not to have too long a conversation because then our actual recorded conversation doesn't feel fresh. But we always agree on sort of three general areas that we're going to cover. But we never get into specifics of the questions because you don't want you want it to feel like a conversation, not artificial. So I think the biggest challenge is coming up with the three areas because the women that come on my show are experts across broad areas, you know, or they have like amazing stories to share. And you could spend so long talking about each one of, you know, I, I could talk for hours. So I think the greatest challenge is, you know, working with the guests in advance to hone in to say, we only have 30 minutes. What are the, you know, one, two, three things that we're going to focus on? And so doing that 15 minute pre-call beforehand makes all the difference. And then I, um, I always write the intro before. And that's that's probably the hardest part of the show for me because I really want to do my guests justice. You know, they have amazing careers and uh, fabulous stories. And I want to introduce them in a way that excites the listener and, and gives them, you know, does justice to their career. Uh, and then the rest of it, I, you know, I just have questions. And typically, I don't even get through them all. We normally have a conversation and a flow. And then you know, after we uh, Dave hits, you know, stop on the record, the, a second level of work begins, which is then you know creating the show notes, the transcripts, creating the social media tiles, the images that I use to share on Instagram or Facebook to promote the show. Um, so that's sort of a secondary set of of work. But there is the I guess the prepping for the recording, and then there is the promoting the show. So those are the sort of the two big areas that I that I work on. I mean, how much time do you think you devote to one episode, developing one episode, all in all? If I added it up, I would probably you know, lose my mind. <laughs> Maybe that's not such a good question. Exactly. I would say hours and hours. I mean, it's 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 so, so, so much work. And I, I don't mean that to sound negative because it's work that I enjoy. Like I get up. Every day, thinking about this, excited. I love, I love this process. I'm, I'm at 50 plus shows right now, and I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't a total blast because it is truthfully an astonishing amount of work. Yeah, no, it's, it sounds like it. Now that you laid it out for me, just sort of enumerating the different things that go into um, thinking about it, selecting hosts, you know, preparing for it, doing the, the doing the actual podcast, promoting. It. I mean, there's, forget it. Let's, yeah, yeah let's not talk. Let's it, not talk hours. <laughs> But, but even the scheduling, it's like tracking people down, you know, I'm doing a lot of cold pitching to my guests. I do get pitched by a lot of people, but honestly, most of the guests that have come on the show have been people that I've surfaced myself. And it's, you know, it's a lot. Like I, I'm dropping into people's inboxes on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm DMing them on Instagram. I do get a lot of recommendations from my guests because I'll have women say like, this was so much fun. Are you looking for guests? I have ideas. And uh, author Karen Duquesse, who came on in season on season one, has been wonderful about introducing me to people. She introduced me to Kristen Van Ogtrop, who was the former editor of Real Simple, who came on. Uh, Kristen introduced me to somebody. So there's a little bit of a like a virtuous circle where everyone's kind of making intros, which definitely helps. But a lot of it is um, me just thinking, here's a topic I want to talk about this month. Who who would add? you know, a valuable, you know, perspective on that. I was wondering about how you got such such 
diverse and really um, top in their field guests. I mean, it's it's so it's it's a little bit of introductions through shows and people that you've met and. And there you go. Yeah, absolutely. And here's for anyone who's listening to the show right now and thinking, I really want to start a podcast and how am I going to find guests? Here's um, one tip for for surfacing interesting guests. Uh, authors and podcasters make great guests. Authors are, you know, professional storytellers. They're good with words. They um, they're and they're able to share it and they need to promote their book. The way the the modern publishing agent you know system works is you really have to advocate for your book. So they are willing to be on shows because they need to promote their books. So not only are they wonderful storytellers, but they're they're open to being asked. And podcasters are also for the same reason they need to promote their show and they are familiar with the mic. They're not afraid and they make wonderful guests. And I think there are something like. I, there are millions and millions of podcasts. I'm not, I, I'm not even going to guess the number, but you can you can find a podcast about anything you want to talk about, and you can surface wonderful guests that way. What are you actually thinking about podcasts and books and different ways to communicate ideas and thoughts, you know, to to an audience? Um, what do you think makes a podcast so successful? Like, what makes that sort of the way to go and to relay your thoughts and your information or you know, the conversations that you want people to start thinking about? Ooh, I love this. Uh, I think podcasts are very intimate. You know, you're showing up in somebody's ear. And if you're doing it well, the listener who's hearing you and I talk right now feels that we're, we're speaking to them because we are. You know, that's what I, uh, I, I've worked, I've done a lot of public speaking in my past and I've worked with speech coaches. And one of my favorite speech coaches said, you're not talking to an audience, you're talking to a person. And who are you talking to? Mm, and I'm often great. talking to my friend Brooke because she's a therapist. She actually came on the show and she's an incredible listener. And so when I'm having this conversation, I'm thinking about her. You know, she's somebody who wants to hear from me. She's always got amazing questions. She's a phenomenal listener and she's just fun. So that's who I'm speaking to. And I hope that uh, the listeners are hearing that. And I think I think a good podcast creates that sense of intimacy. It has a host that's willing to share I think a good podcast actually lets the guests do most of the talking, truthfully, uh, because they're the ones that are giving their time and their expertise, and, and we want to hear from them. So I think it's a balance. It's about letting the listeners feel part of the conversation, a host that shares a little bit, but also mostly lets the guests do the talking. Oh, I think you've absolutely struck that balance beautifully because, I mean, having been a guest on your show, I love how how attentively you really listen. The questions that you ask are so insightful. And I think questions that the audience wants to hear the answer to. So well, thank you. Yeah. That makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> well, move, moving on, yes. I also wanted to ask you if you could give us a little bit of insight into, let's say, what were, if you can remember one or two of your most favorite episodes and why that was the case and does that correlate with let's say your most listened to episodes from your audience oh my gosh this is a fantastic question um and a really hard one to answer honestly because i you know i'm a mom of three and i kind of feel the same way about my my guests as i do my kids like i love them all uh and you know if i were to a quick answer might be like my favorite guest is the last one I had because I, I like I all, like literally every time the, we, we have to end, I'm like, I could keep going. And we, we often do. You know, Dave's watched us have 15 minute, half an hour conversations that happen after he, you know, he stops hitting record because I, I do love my guests. I, I will say that the most impactful guest 
for me have been my all the doctors that have been on the show, including you. I mean, the amount of information that I've learned in the past year by listening to the answers that my guests give me about my own body is astonishing. I'm embarrassed to admit what I did not know about <laughs> <laughs> about about how everything works and functions. And I, you know, if, frequent listeners may have heard this before, but I still brush my teeth on one leg because Dr. Vonda Wright told me to, and because um, it helps with your balance, yeah. which begins to. Uh, you know, di- di- diminish actually, yeah. like astonishingly, at age seventeen. So I, you know, I've, I feel like I've benefited from all the doctors on the show. So if you've missed any, you know, listeners, if you've missed any of the doctors, go back; they're going to blow your mind. Um, I always think about uh, Karen Ducasse, who said something on the show that really resonates with me, which is that she finally sat down at age uh, fifty-four to write her first novel, which she published at fifty-six. When the fear of not doing it well, which is what had stopped her for so long, mm-hmm. was replaced by the fear of not doing it at all. And I think every single person listening right now can relate to that because we've all let fear stop us from trying something in our lives. But you get to a point where you're like, hey, you know, now or never. And I really I think about that all the time when I'm trying new things, you know, to, to this day. And um, so she really sticks out in my mind as well. But I, but I love all my guests. I love that quote. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to be perfect. To totally. Just do it. Just get don't going. Don't be afraid of that. Yeah. So I, I have uh, I have one last question Great. for you. Um, I wanted to know, I mean, and I think you've answered this a little bit. But how has your experience doing the show changed your take on aging, if at all? And how is it different than before you did the podcast? Mm, so good. Uh, <laughs> Move over, Katie Fogarty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> New sheriff's in town. Somebody's gunning for the... <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I said at the top of the show, I started the show because I thought that people, it's ridiculous that we can't age out loud. And I wanted to talk about that. And I and I meant it. Like, I started the show for that reason. But having these last 50 weeks of conversations with women has sort of reoriented my DNA around what is possible. Because the, the women who have come on my show are, are really knocking it out of the park in a variety of careers, across a variety of sectors, across a variety of creative projects. Women have started businesses. You know, Meryl Brown came on to talk about a business she started at 47, which she grew into this like multi-million dollar company after 13 years as a stay-at-home mom. You know, I I had Terry Chaney come on to talk about her, you know, struggle with bipolar disorder. And she left her legal career, wrote a book, you know, sort of bared her soul and it became a New York Times bestseller. And this also happened in her late, you know, 40s. I've had my guest this past week, uh, Angie Kim, pivoted from law. She wrote a a novel which she published at 50. Now she's on her second. So talking, and, and by the way, I could talk to there are more women that I could talk to than I have Mondays for. Mm-hmm. So I truly, like this year has shown me so clearly that aging is absolutely no barrier to um, to living the life you want to live, to mm-hmm. your dream, to launching something. And we, we can really get in our own way. And this um, this year, my my experience creating the show has has, you know, deeply altered my DNA about what I think is possible in your second, third, fourth, fifth chapter, anything oh. is possible. Well, you're you're 
you're definitely a living example of that. Well, thank you, lady. Fabulous. Fabulous. I love it. Thank you. I know in a minute we're going to move to some um, audience questions, which I'm going to read. And then I think we're going to come back for a speed round. But before we do that, I want to have um, some fun giveaways to put on the radar for our listeners. Because all week long over uh, on our Instagram, which is at a certain age pod, I'll be giving away books and treats and a certain age swag because this is a party and it is not a party <laughs> without party favors. So head to a certain age pod all week long for the fun. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with audience questions. Summer fun equals sun. Want to make sure the sun looks good on you? Meet Soleil Toujours. More than a sunscreen, Soleil Toujours offers luxurious coral reef safe, non-toxic formulas with all mineral UV protection, which moisturize and nourish your skin. Potent antioxidants, vitamins, and botanicals pamper and protect you. It's skincare for sun. I stock my beach bag with their clean, conscious, antioxidant sunscreen mist and their divine Mineral Alley Hydra Lip Masks. Each makes me feel protected and polished during summer and beyond. Make protection from the sun's harmful rays a daily routine, not just a beach day consideration. Want to let the sun shine in? Soleil Toujours has a sun-kissed offer for a certain age listeners. You get 20% off anything with code KD20 at checkout. That's K-A-T-I-E-2-0. Keep the beauty you were born with. Head to Soleil Toujours. That's S-O-L-E-I-L-T-O-U-J-O-U-R-S for luxurious all-mineral sun care. Beauties, the sun looks good on you. All right, Anita. So we're back from the break. I have uh, a question that comes from multiple people, actually. Becky, Natalie, Susan, they've all asked a version of, do you read every book on the podcast? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that is almost. I almost do. My mom's a librarian. My dad's like a book junkie. We grew up reading. I I try to read every book. Uh, if I can't make it through every book, I'll in the pre-call, I'll say, what are the you know three to four chapters not to miss? And so I'll read those before I come on. But I've I've finished multiple. If I can't finish a book before the show airs, I'll finish it afterwards. I I love to read. So I mostly do that. Uh, Okay. Um, uh, Dory uh, asks, how do you handle the tech stuff, what microphone, and what hosting platform? Uh, I'll answer the quick and easy one. The hosting platform is Buzzsprout. There are a whole bunch of platforms. You can Google them. Uh, The tech stuff is largely handled here in the studio by Dave Goldberg, who records at Digital Waterworks Studio, and he does all the the recording and the editing for me, which is amazing. Um, I will let him, if he's there, to quickly answer what microphones he uses and what he might recommend for home podcasters. Dave? I get to be on the show. Yes, of um, course. You Congratulations. Know, we're, we're using some fancy stuff here in the studio because we do all sorts of productions here, not just podcasts. But um, there's a great microphone that I re- I've recommended to a lot of people who do podcasts at home or they're starting up outside of a professional environment. And uh, it's a microphone by a company named Shure, which is spelled S-H-U-R-E. And the model is the MV7, like the Michael Victor 7. Runs about $250. The nice thing about it is it's got a USB connector on it, and you plug it right into your computer, laptop. It even works with uh, iPads or tablets. And you don't need any additional hardware. You can actually plug your headphones right into the microphone as well to hear yourself. So the Shure MV7 is the way to go. And then, you know, for software, you could use GarageBand. You can use... um, 
There's a free recording program called Audacity. Uh, if you're doing your podcast with other people and not just yourself and you need to bring other people in, you can use uh, Zoom. You can use Skype. Um, I would, you know what, YouTube, as you know, is a great resource for this stuff. So, you know, you can, how do I record a podcast and you'll, you'll find tons and tons of videos. I love it. That you, you can Google or YouTube anything. Thank you, Dave. That's great. You're welcome. And the last question comes from Lori, who asks, which episode had the most listeners? And Anita, this was a question that you asked earlier, which I didn't completely answer. So the the show with the most downloads to date was the show by uh, a Sex and Dating After Marriage Ends, where my guest, Laura Friedman Williams, came on and joined me to talk about her memoir, Available. And, you know, it's interesting because I absolutely adored that show. So it's not surprising to me that it did so well. And in fact, when it, when it wrapped, Dave was like, this was amazing. This is going to do so well. And, mm. and, and, and we were both right. She's so uh, warm and interesting and so candid and so funny and so open about her experience, experiences, both good and bad, about sort of reclaiming her sexuality after her marriage ended in a very crushing fashion. So that was really popular. Um, I'll do a little extra bonus here by saying, I think, uh, episodes two, three, and four, one of one of, is yours, uh, Vaginas, <laughs> care, the Vagina Dialogues. How care do you not listen there. to that? <laughs> that that did very well because you know most of my listeners have you vaginas. Know, vaginas exactly <laughs> and then um the the episode on divorce on navigating divorce performed really well and so did great sex after 50 so th- those were some of the top shows very nice well, not surprising yeah you know, that's definitely right, not surprising so you, you know you care about relationships relationships to your own body relationships uh, in your life absolutely are we ready for speed round? Oh, yes. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So these are quick questions. Quick, quick, short answers, right? Quick yes. questions. Okay. I hope so. so <laughs> I can talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you, what podcast do you like to listen to? Uh, Smartless. Totally hilarious. Hilarious. Yes. And How I Built This. How I Built This is? How I Built This is on NPR. It's about uh, people who built the brands that are household names. Wonderful. Who is your dream podcast guest? Uh, so hard. I'm going to go with uh, Michelle Obama. Ooh. But I would also love to have Reese Witherspoon to come on to talk about. She's t- talking about career invent- reinvention. So Reese. Reese is number it. two. All right. I expect that for season four. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, what, was your, what was your most embarrassing moment related to the show? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Dave has seen a lot of speed bumps here, which we, we edit out. You know, I would say most embarrassing moment. That's really hard. You know. Maybe uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. I, you know. Challenging. I, challenging. These are all <laughs> such good words. Um, I would say that at the beginning when I felt like it was new to me, it was a little challenging. You know, the first couple of episodes, even though I enjoyed them all, it was, uh, it felt you know, it's, it's uncomfortable to try new things, and you have to be willing to be uncomfortable to, to move forward. So I would say the beginning shows when I felt, like, a little unsure of myself were challenging. Okay. And how, if you could use maybe one word or a sentence, like, how do you describe your interview style? How would you describe it, I guess? Uh, conversational. Yeah, that's definitely for true. And then my last question is, um, what's your word to describe your outlook on aging? Oh, my gosh. So good. So good. Limitless. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's you know, excellent. Yay. Thank you for asking me that. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I, I ask everyone that every week because I, I want to um, 
I don't know, just sort of a snapshot of people's perspective. And I I feel limitless at this stage. I love that. And I've, I loved that question. I love that question from your guests, too. Thank you. Thank you, Nita. Thank you for making this birthday show so special. I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women over 50 who are aging without apology. Don't forget to join me over on Instagram for party favors all week long. We're giving away books, treats, and A Certain Age swag. So stop by at A Certain Age Pod for your party favor. I want to close by thanking everyone who's helped play a role in making a certain age. Dave Goldberg of Digital Waterworks for audio production and editing. Aveline Malik, who creates the show Transcripts. Lori Cotamaccio for PR and guest booking. Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. And special thanks to each of the amazing women who have come on the show as guests to share their stories, smarts, and sparkle. Thank you to Dr. Anita Sadati for joining me today. I am so proud to be aging out loud with all of you. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties. 